Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support, because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Better Life and Recovery. I'm your host, David Stoker, and today we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. Um, There's a few questions I've had recently. Uh, I think we'll get to one of those, as well as some issues that I've had to deal with over the past week. Uh, We might even talk about some positive things that have gone on this week, and I think all of these are things that we can learn from. Uh, Even when I go through some of the negative things, I think that there's still definitely some things that we can learn from. So the first question that I had uh, that I'm going to get to today, in fact, it's probably the only question that I had really that I'll get to today, was I had somebody who who contacted me after uh, my last one of these, and she's faced with a problem. She has a loved one that is actively using, and she is in recovery herself. In fact, this was actually a significant other. And he had tried to rope her into using with him. And she was like, how do you support somebody that you really care and love if when they're actively using and trying to get you to use too? Now, she is not in that relationship any longer, which is probably what I would have told her to begin with. Uh, I'm not anti-relationship, but if people are making really bad choices... And they're actively using, and that could put your recovery at risk. I think cutting cutting those ties is probably a smart thing to do, unfortunately. In fact, it's probably a really good thing to do, and it's not unfortunate. If it comes down to my wellness and your wellness, I'm going to have to pick my wellness first. Because if I'm not well, I can't help you at all. In fact, if I'm not well, I can't help anybody. And this is a mom that has kids, too. So she has children she has to worry about. And here is this person that she loves who is out there and coming into the house and trying to get her to use. So I think she made a really good first step was saying, hey, we can't be together if this is what you're going to do. But what else do you do? You know, I always say for starters, learn as much as you possibly can about addiction In her case, she's a person in long-term recovery, so hopefully she already knows a lot about addiction. But if you don't understand substance use disorders, then it can make it really difficult, right? Um, Because if I don't really understand it, I may see it as a personal choice, a decision somebody is choosing. Uh, They're using again because they are not mentally strong enough to quit or they don't have that intestinal fortitude or the faith they need to not use. And all of those things are a crock of crap. Uh, you know, I, I use myself as an example all the time, right? Um, like I always tell people, even though I actively used for 25 years and had tons of negative consequences, I never really had a drug problem. The way I always put it uh, is 
you know, my first memory at three being molested by a babysitter, uh, being raised where there was violence, where at times I was kept out of school for a week so I could heal up before I could go back to school. Um, that was my problem. When I used drugs that helped me numb and escape, that drugs were actually the solution to my problem. In my case, my problem was unaddressed trauma. And like we've talked about, and I will continue to talk about because I think it's uh, really interesting just how strong that link is between uh, trauma and substance use. Uh, I saw a study a couple weeks ago, and it said that there is a stronger link between a high ACEs score, which is the Adverse Childhood Experiences Survey, and addiction than there is between obesity and diabetes. So we know that people who go through trauma young, a lot of times will tend to develop a substance use disorder if that trauma isn't addressed and dealt with. So if we know some of those things, hey, you know what, this is an actual issue that they may need some help for, then I'm not going to blame the person for using Right, I'm not going to look at them as they're being weak or they're being stubborn or, you know what, if you would just be willing to do this, right? That's all it takes is willingness. Believe it or not, I've seen a lot of people who were willing to quit that didn't make it. I've seen a lot of people that were willing to go to treatment that didn't make it through. So if we can understand, you know, if that person can educate themselves and learn how addiction changes the brain chemistry and how it impacts... Uh, how it alters some of uh, the electrical impulses that are sent and uh, some of those uh, neurotransmitters, you know, reduces them and somebody gets to a point where that's the only way they can feel any emotion. So I would say get online, look some things up, uh, educate yourself, and then use your supports. I think supports are of vital importance. Those are family, friends that you can count on, but also I think going to a support group is a really smart thing. And there's some really good family support groups out there. I know there's like Al-Anon, there's Narconon, uh, there's Smart Recovery, Family and Friends. Um, there is uh, ARM meetings, which are all recovery meetings. There's also, uh, I don't want to say her name wrong, uh, Pam. Anyway, she's out of Minnesota, but it's called uh, Thrive Family. There's also those. I think uh, there's five or six states that have them right now. Uh, I was actually talking to somebody about us possibly adding one here in Springfield in the next month or two because we have a family support group and we have Smart Family, uh, Smart Recovery for Family and Friends. And I want to add more and more because I think that family, especially parents, are some of the most overlooked people out there, honestly. I think we don't do enough to educate. We don't do enough to uh, support families so that they can successfully navigate through substance use disorders. But in the same way, I don't think that we properly support family and friends, right? It's not just family. It's friends too. Uh, significant others, I don't think we support them very well so that they understand when somebody's going through a substance use disorder exactly what they're going through. So get with... Uh, do research, get with some people that understand, um, go to family therapy, right? If I'm with somebody, I may want to go to therapy and actually sit down with a therapist and have them work with us. And if they're unwilling to go, that's, that's a sign right there. Uh, also they've got what they call the three C's 
uh, that somebody, uh, actually my friend Brent, brought to my attention. Uh, and the three C's basically say I didn't cause it, I can't control it, and I can't cure it. Because a lot of times people take blame for somebody else's negative behaviors, negative choices, uh, substance use, depression, what their behavioral health disorder, right? Uh, especially people that don't understand the biological changes people go through with some of those things. They still look at it as, oh, this is something that I did wrong. So they take that blame on themselves. Believe it or not, you can't make somebody use. Now, somebody may blame you for their using, but you can't actually make somebody use. That's a crock. Um, I, I loved to use people as excuses. Right. And I love that people would sometimes take the weight and the blame. Oh, I can't believe you made me go out. You did this. So I went out and did that. But at the end of the day, you have to take care of yourself and you have to make sure you're healthy. So you didn't cause it because it's not something you can cause. Um, you can't control it because you can't love somebody enough to moderate their substance use. I've never met once some. Uh, never once met somebody. Wow, that came out wrong. I've never once met somebody that loves somebody enough that they could bring them from an active substance use disorder, misusing to where they were using at an acceptable level, um, or when somebody was making really bad choices, where that love was enough to make them stop making those negative choices that were impacting their life above and beyond the substance use. So you can't control it, no matter how hard you try. And that's a really hard one for family, uh, parents. Um, uh, because parents, you feel like you're supposed to be able to protect your kids and, you know, uh, kind of shelter your kids from problems. And unfortunately, that's not something you can always do. And if you try to do something that's outside of your control, that's one of the ways that we cause ourselves a lot of anxiety, depression, stress is by trying to control things outside of our, uh, our realm, our scope of control. And finally, you can't cure it. You can't love somebody enough to make them better. Um, you can stand beside somebody and support them. You can set boundaries that they need to follow, and I think that's another big thing. I'm big on boundaries. Uh, I'm not too big on tough love, as in you stop this, and if you don't stop this, then we're completely done with you. Because the last thing that I would want to do is take somebody's last sliver of hope. It does work on occasion, but everything works on occasion. And just because something works on occasion doesn't mean that it is has a negative impact more often. And this is where we have what we call uh, anecdotal uh, knowledge. Basically where somebody will make a decision based on, hey, this worked for me, this worked for somebody else, and they told me. And the problem with anecdotal information is just because it happened once doesn't mean that it will happen all the time. So it's better to look at things that have been researched, uh, statistically significant things that happen, uh, instead of going, well, because it happened this one time, it'll happen to anybody. You know, I always tell this story. I had a friend when I was younger, and um, the first time that he tried ecstasy, he left where he was at, went on a walk, and... Uh, and he got hit by a semi, and the guy that was driving the semi was under the influence, and he ended up becoming a millionaire off the settlement. Because when he got hit by the truck, like it shattered his entire arm, his shoulder, 
I mean, it jacked him up really bad. So I could tell somebody, hey, you know what? All you need to do is, is roll one time and you'll become a millionaire. Because I know that's happened to somebody, but I can't base everybody doing that and having the exact same outcome. In fact, I wouldn't say that the majority of people would do that and have the exact same outcome. So, like I said, not big on tough love. I'm big on setting boundaries. And don't set boundaries that you can't keep. Because... Because if I set a boundary that I can't keep and I let that person get away with something I said I wouldn't, or they do something that I said that there would be a consequence for and there isn't, then they will ride that bound, the next boundary I set and the next boundary. I set a really bad precedent, right? It's no different than being a parent. If I tell my kid, if I tell my daughter, you're going to bed in an hour, and then at, at that 60-minute time, she asks 20, 30, 40 times, and I finally give in. For starters, it's my fault if she asks 30, 40 times, right? I should shut it down quicker than that. But if she asks multiple times, and then I give in, then she's going to say, hey, next time he tells me I have to be in bed this time, all I have to do is continue asking, and eventually he'll say yes. So when we set boundaries, set boundaries we can keep. Also, set boundaries you can live with the consequence of, right? Um, I think of another one of my friends whose son was living in a recovery residence, and because he used, he got kicked out for a month. And, you know, hey, you can't be here for 30 days. At the end of 30 days, you can move back in said, hey, listen, I've got two choices. I can either stay here with you or I can go back to the house that I used at. Those are the only two options I have. And she had another child in the house. And she said, listen, I can't have you here with your sibling if you're actively using, if you're high. So I guess you can't stay here. Unfortunately, he was dead several days later from an overdose. And now that's something that that mom has to live with. And don't get me wrong, that mom knows up here in her brain, right? She knows logically that she made the right choice, um, that honestly she couldn't have her oldest living in a house with her youngest while he was actively using it high. That's not something that she wanted, not something that she was going to have in her house. But that doesn't stop her heart from taking responsibility for it. And that's one of those difficult things. Right, I know it's been really difficult for me in the past. Uh, whenever I've had, say, somebody that I've worked with that's died, I know that them going out and using is no more my fault than if they stop using and never use again, that I can be like, woohoo, look what I did, right? Because at the end of the day, we don't fix people, we don't heal people, we really don't do much of anything, hopefully, other than meet them where they're at, show them unconditional positive regard, empathy, and then help them figure out what their goals are and how they can accomplish their goals, right? That's what we do. Uh, good treatment, good therapy, good peer work should all be self-directed by the individual. Um, that way, if you're treatment, guess what? You don't have cookie cutter treatment where everybody does the exact same thing and you mark a box off. Instead, you tailor it to the person that you're working with. And in peer work, I don't want somebody coming to me and I'm going to tell them what they need or they have to do. That's not what I as a peer do. Instead, I meet them where they're at. I support them and I work with them 
to accomplish their goals. And their goals may be way different from the goals that I think they should be working. And that's why, especially as a peer, it's really important to figure out what they want to do. Otherwise, I stop being a peer, right? Um, That's all of a sudden I move into a therapy role. I move into a sponsor role. I move outside of the actual specialized peer role that, say, a certified peer specialist or recovery coach uh, has the job of doing. So you can't cure it. So that's another thing to remember, right? You You didn't cause it. You can't control it. You can't cure it. So I think those are just a few things to kind of get you started, but I Educate yourself on substance use disorders. Uh, Surround yourself with good, positive supports. Um, Find support groups that have, uh, especially family support, family and friends groups, that can help you understand how to to live with somebody who's actively using. Um, If it's, go to family therapy, if it's family member or significant other, both of you. And if they're not willing to go, go to therapy yourself right? Take care of you. Um, so also self-care. Don't forget to exercise. Don't forget to eat well. There's a lot of things that we probably need to make sure we're doing that we might not be doing. I may have other family members, right? In this case, she has kids. Just because her significant, her ex-significant other is actively using doesn't mean that she can put all of her energy and focus into him Instead, you know what? She needs to make sure that she's well so she can take care of the kids and set a boundary and whatever that boundary is, make sure that she's able to maintain it, keep it, and that it's a healthy boundary that acknowledges, hey, I care about you. I believe you can do this, but X, Y, Z, right? Especially with kids, you know, whatever that may be. For me, um, whenever I've had people that were actively using I've always had rules like, I'm sorry if you're actively using, you can't come into my house. I don't want you to come into my house and actually accidentally drop something that one of my kids might pick up and put in their mouth thinking it's candy. Uh, So I will meet somebody. That's always, you know what? If you want to talk, let's go meet. Are you hungry? Let's meet at a restaurant. Uh, If you're not, let's go drink some coffee because I'm always down for coffee. What about you? Right? So there's ways that we can support people um, without having them cross over boundaries. Um, now today I had a really good day. In fact, I had a really good weekend and that's another thing I wanted to talk about. Self-care is vital and important. And a lot of times I see people beating themselves up for things, uh, maybe because they weren't able to be there, maybe because they weren't able to help people. Um, but the truth is we really need to focus on us, right? I need, I need to focus on me. So last week might have been a really rough week. Uh, Monday through Thursday was pretty stacked with stuff. Friday, I ended up in urgent care, and I'm still waiting on a little bit to find out what's going on there. Uh, it may look like it may be something that I need surgery on here in the next couple of weeks. I'm not really sure. We'll have to play that by ear and see what happens. But that didn't stop me from Saturday going on a date day with my wife and going out to eat. And uh, one of my friends had a grand opening of a place, and I love to support friends and local business. So um, I went to their place. They opened up this no-bake cookie dough place that's just stinking amazing. 
So I went and had some cookie dough with a bunch of toppings on top of it and some iced coffee. And then we went and saw a movie. And then me and my wife went out and I had a big old bone-in ribeye, which is one of my favorites. Uh, I guess I'll throw it out there. I don't advertise for people, but I tell the truth. I think Longhorn has one of the best franchise steaks. Like as far as other steak places, I think they've got some of the best flavored steaks out there on the market. So we did that. And then today I had a friend who celebrated his four-year recovery yesterday. So today we met him and his family at Silver Dollar City, did some things. Then we went to his house after and ate dinner and had some cake, right? Because those are things that I'm doing for fun to enjoy my life because those are things that I need to do to take care of me. So, so that's the end. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. And I want to say, uh, once again, if you have a loved one, there's definitely some things you can do, but boundaries and self-care are right there at the very top, along with educating yourself and surrounding yourself with supports that can give you good advice, good support, and help direct you on your path. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. There's a Better Life and Recovery page on Facebook, or you can, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, B-L-I-R underscore N-P-O. Also, this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the network at studiodna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. 